It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Presented by Sweet Sweat. Hey guys, welcome into the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Your host, Mark Schlereth, along with my co-host, Mike Evans. Scott the Huff, producing the show. Want to thank our presenting sponsors, the great folks over at Sweet Sweat for all your exercise and physical fitness needs check them out at sweetsweat.com they do a phenomenal job and they sponsor the show they also send a gift bag 75 dollars gift bags when we do a question mark we're not doing one today but when we do one um, you are the beneficiary of that. Also, Superbook. I tell you, Superbook has been great every Thursday. They sponsor our uh, picks. So uh, I think I'm still kicking your ass in the picks. We'll find out on Thursday. Jay Cornegay joins us, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Brought to you by Superbook. They are absolutely awesome. So anyhow, thank our presenting sponsors. Mike, how are you, buddy? Uh, hold on, hold on. I just had to check. Just wanted to see if uh, another NFL star had, you know, Oh, torn an ACL, or right? Ripped up his shoulder, or you know, sprained an ankle. My goodness, I can't believe these rash of injuries to star players through the first couple of weeks. What's going on? Well, I mean, I I'm, I have a theory, and I've had a theory for years on injuries, and and I really believe like one thing that has happened in collective bargaining for the players. Let me just take you through collective bargaining. See. We, the players, are pussies. Oh, jeez. Can you say that on this podcast? Uh, Yeah, why not? Okay. So, we, the players, we cannot negotiate health care. We cannot negotiate anything. So, you know, anything of substance. So, what we do is we roll over. I, I put myself in this. I mean, I'm in this. We roll over and... What we accept, we can't get guaranteed contracts. We can't, none of that stuff, right? So we roll over and we basically negotiate for shit. And the owners gladly give us the shit. And then we wallow in it like swine and act like we won. Oh, oh this shit feels great. Awesome. And that essentially is what's happened. So what do we negotiate? We negotiate... Less practice time. Hell, every facility in the NFL is a $50 million facility with cryovac machines and chiropractic care and massage specialists and hot tubs and cold tubs and a training staff and workout, you know, I mean, uh, strength trainers and everything else. We negotiate ourselves to be locked out of those $50 million facilities so we can go for a month and a half and spend $100,000 on somebody to do it for us. I mean, how stupid is that? Here's a $50 million facility. Oh, you locked yourself out of it, right? Because you don't want the, the, the league or you don't want your team seeing what you're doing. And instead, you're going to pay 100000 of your own money to get the same thing you could get for free. How stupid are we? Seriously, how dumb are we? So we've negotiated all these things out in the collective bargaining agreement. We've negotiated practice time out. We've negotiated contact out in the thought that it would make us better. In the thought that we'll get extra years because we're healthy. What ended up happening is you never developed as a football player. So the owners look at it and go, well, wait a minute. I've got a six-year guy that I'm going to have to spend a million dollars plus on as a minimum wage contract who really has never developed into a good player because he doesn't have enough time practicing, enough time working on his craft. Why don't I just take the guy that cost me 400000 or 500000 as a rookie minimum wage guy? 
and replace him and hope nobody gets hurt. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And, and here's the thing, Mike. When you don't practice, when you're not working on your craft, like there's a big difference between running fast in shorts and a T-shirt with nobody touching you and then running fast in shoulder pads and a helmet with somebody banging on you all the way and you stick your foot in the ground and all of a sudden somebody puts some weight on you and bam, your ACL goes. Because you haven't developed that skill. You haven't become calloused, if you will. Like you haven't developed the kinesthetic awareness that it doesn't happen because you're thinking, oh, I've got to develop a kinesthetic awareness or proprioception skills. You know when it happens? It happens from doing it. That's why I say all the time, and everybody says it, that the only way to get in shape for football is to play football. And so you don't develop any of these skills because you've negotiated the development of these skills out of the contract in the collective bargaining agreement. All right, so to be clear, you believe you're not a doctor, although you, I know you played a detective on a soap opera, not a doctor. Right. But I'm sure you could have pulled it off right, very, exactly. very easily. So you're saying that Saquon Barkley doesn't tear his knee, Nick Bosa doesn't tear his knee if they actually played preseason football? I'm saying the likelihood is much less. You know, I, I, w- I would say this, Mike. You know, everybody talks about – and I saw a bunch of guys after week one. The football was really good. It proves to me we don't need preseason, right? Well, what proves to me that you need preseason is you need to develop those skills. You need to work through those things. You need to do that. Now, again, this is just me from the outside looking in that I believe that the soft tissue injuries, the the ligament injuries, the tendon injuries are vastly increased because we don't do enough to get ourselves in shape to play the game that we play. We don't do enough live practice stuff that prepares our body to, to basically be able to take that pounding during the course of a season. You know, it, and it is one of those subconscious things. Like when you line up for a 17-foot jumper as opposed to a 15-foot jumper, in your mind when you're going up, you don't go, hey, this is 15 feet. I got to take a little less off of it. Your brain just autom- automatically, you know, it's like beautiful mind. There's a bunch of, you know, yeah. pie signs in your head, right? You don't, even, you don't even know they're happening. It just happens. You drop back two feet, your, your body goes pie times, you know, times two feet. X efficiency quotient. I don't know. Okay, I'm stupid. Okay, all right. Right? I was a general okay. studies major. That was, that was, like, like, that's sorry. I, I think the only thing that was missing was, you like apples? Yeah. I got a number. Yeah, I, I got, got a like number. How do you like them apples? <laughs> yeah, I am. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I am not a smart man, but I do know what love is. I already see DeHoff working on the uh, the imaging for this. Right. Thing. Oh, yeah. Russell yeah. Crowe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, but but like like I think I think we've we've negotiated out practice and negotiated in more soft tissue injuries and more you know season threatening injuries. I I just believe that that's all the, the while byproduct. thinking that you actually won the negotiation. You, yeah, by getting right. You you didn't these you didn't, giant concessions. Right, you didn't win. I mean they're they're more than happy to give you those concessions and. And ultimately, the wheel's going to keep on churning. You know, that's just what the NFL does. So that that is my take on why the rash of injuries and and what has happened. And like, if I was if I was part of the players' association, you know, I would love to sit down with guys and go, "What are you really negotiating here? Like, what are you really, 
you know, what do you really? They thought they were adding years to the end of your career. So at the at ten years, you're like, man, I'm going to get two more years in at maximum money. And what's happening at seven years? You just get your ass cut, and they just give the money, you know, a, a lot less money to young players who who really can't play. Well, here here's some numbers. Here's a stat for you. Since 1933, NFL teams. In games where they scored at least 39 points with zero turnovers, had been 440 and zero. It's pretty good. Since 1933. That's pretty good. It is now 440 and one thanks to the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, my God. Who scored all those points against the Cowboys with no turnovers and still lost 40 to 39. Do you think that the 28 to three third quarter lead in the Super Bowl, do you think that is like that is. Something they'll never overcome. Like, is is the ghost of that the is that what's haunting this team? I mean, there was a they went for a two point conversion when you didn't need to go for a two point conversion. Um, and the game I called week one, I think uh, I think Dan Quinn went for fourth down four times. I believe I don't I, I, I don't think they converted any of them. Now that I think about it, or they gave up a fourth down and five to the Seahawks at uh, DK Metcalf caught about a 40 yard touchdown. And then I think maybe three times they went for it on fourth down and didn't convert one of them on a fake punt that they fumbled on. So, um, you know, I, again, there is a time to be aggressive and I appreciate that, but there's also a time to be smart and to bleed clock. And here's the thing, like, their offensive coordinator, and I'm a believer in this, they threw it more than anybody else in football last year. They wanted to change their identity. They threw 67% of the time. I did a three-game day, uh, three game breakdown going in to the first game of the season. They had, in, in three games, there were three red zone opportunities. They had 27 plays in the red zone, 23 passes, four runs. I mean, the, the lack of balance was stark and then you get to the point where you say you want to run it you say you want to change your identity it's one thing to say it it's another thing to actually do it and I believe they have good intentions but when push comes to shove they want to throw the ball and that like that oftentimes just extends games Mike uh, running the football is a incredible skill I say this all the time the, the greatest skill in football is moving a man from point A to point B against his will. And you got to work on it. And not only you got to work on it physically, you got to work on it from the neck up. You damn well better, you, you damn well better be committed to it because if you're not, well, guess what's going to happen? You're not going to be good at it. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's from the Atlanta standpoint. And you're right. I, I love Dan Quinn. And, and Dan Quinn could be fired. Right. Tomorrow, and he'd be on a, a short list for, for teams that are looking for coaches again during the offseason. But I don't know, Mark. I, I, I do kind of believe in a franchise can live under a bad, bad sign, bad juju. Heck, right. I've been a Red Sox fan my whole life. So I, 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 know, I knew what it was like, right? Uh-huh. And, and I don't know if the Atlanta Falcons can ever move on past what happened with 28-3 to in that Super Bowl. As long as Dan Quinn is there... I, I don't know. I think this is just a cursed franchise right now. And it would probably be best for Dan Quinn and the Falcons for them to go their separate ways. Well, hell, Mike. I mean, after after two weeks in the NFL, I mean, after two weeks, Dan Quinn's got to be – and I love Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn's one of the great guys. 
in this league. And I want like I want the great people to have success. I want the good guys. His team loves him. They play hard for him. There's a, a great rapport there. Um, I want him to have success, Mike. I really do. I really do. But let me let me just let me just tell you, like he's got to be on the coaches on the hot. He the reason he remained last year, remember, they started the season last year one and seven. And then they go six and two down the stretch. He made some concessions. He gave up the play calling on the defensive side. He turned it over to Raheem Moore. Um, or is it Raheem Morris? It's Raheem, Raheem Moore. Morris. Raheem Moore let a football go over. His oh, head. yeah. Raheem Morris. So, kickstart the defense coordinator. Super Bowl. Sorry, Raheem. Um, but long story short, is that that happened. That's what went down. And, um, and his players, like he was seriously on the hot seat, and his players rallied to, to Arthur Blank. We love him, man. And DQ is one of the great people. But if you gave me a, a list, a, a short list of hot seat candidates right now, it'd be Dan Quinn, right? You'd have to look at him. Uh, who else would you look at? Adam Gase. Adam Gase. Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia. Matt, I think they've blown four straight double-digit leads in a row in in Detroit. Matt Patricia's 0-2. Hey, Vic Fangio in Denver. Yeah. I mean, I... I don't know what to tell you, man, but uh, yeah, it's already it's already getting hot early. All right, so the flip side, what do we, what do we make of the Cowboys? They they played a, a pretty lousy football game against the Rams, right? And then they were they had to take advantage and get gifted a, a win by the Falcons. Otherwise, they're zero and two. And this is a team we all well, I don't know if you felt this way, but certainly this was a team that was being rammed down our throats. By the uh, the NFL, you know, experts out there that it's the Cowboys' time. Right. It's th- this is their year. Yeah. Same experts that uh, told us it was the Cleveland Browns' time last year. Those experts. Uh, listen, as long as as long as Jerry Jones is willing to circumvent the authority of coaches and everybody else, I like I've never thought the structure was in place for them to be a championship quality team. I just don't. It's like I told you last year that I told you this before it started when everybody was was touting the Cleveland Browns as a Super Bowl contender. They don't have enough uh, uh, emotional maturity in that organization to be a championship contender. You know, I mean, when your coach shows up well, and a teacher that says Pittsburgh started it, he'd have been fired on the spot. You're too stupid to coach my team. You're too dumb. You don't have enough awareness. You don't. You don't have enough emotional maturity. Um, so, uh, you know, that said... With, with the Cowboys, I just don't think the structure is in place. I will say this, though. You know, I mean, I know they were gifted some things, but how about Dak Prescott in that game? Like, here's the guy that you didn't want to spend money on, right? I mean, seriously. Here's the guy that you don't want to give the contract to. That's going to cost you probably... Oh, an, millions. Millions. Millions yeah, it'll, millions it, more it, than... It's probably going to cost you close to $10 million more a year because you yes. didn't want to do it. You didn't want to do it in the first place. Correct. You know, somewhere between, probably somewhere between six and ten a year. Yeah, Jerry can afford it. Well, sure, Jerry can afford it, but I mean, it's just is it's it's ridiculous. You think this is the year that Russell Wilson maybe gets a MVP vote? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> one vote. Yeah, he's never gotten one vote. He's never gotten a vote. You got to be kidding. He's never gotten a vote. Forget about never winning an MVP. He's never received an MVP vote. I mean, if that if, show he put on Sunday night against the Patriots. Oh my gosh, dude! Uh, the show, the show, the the first game of the season that I called. The show he put on in that game. I think he had four touchdowns. I think he was like he had like three incompletions. 
I mean, it was un, it was unreal. He started the game like 11 for 11, 12 for 12, something like that. Uh, let me let me ask you this. I mean, I, I guess most people would take Patrick Mahomes, but like I don't think there's a wrong answer. If you've got to start or you've got to win one game or you've got to start a franchise, Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes. I mean, those are the two guys, right? Would, would, would there be another quarterback? Lamar Jackson? No, no. Lamar hasn't won a playoff game yet. So, sorry, right. he's not in the conversation. No. The way Aaron Rodgers is playing right now, that he might be in the conversation. But, but, but he's older. He's a lot older. Right. Russell right. Wilson is, boy, he is, he is so good. And I tell you that his, I mean, I know everybody says the same thing, but it just is so stark when you watch it. His deep ball accuracy, the way he, man, he just is like he's throwing it into five-gallon buckets. It's like a damn Home Depot bucket he just threw it into, or a Lowe's. Which one sponsors the NFL? I think it's Lowe's. <laughs> He's throwing into a Lowe's bucket, right? Both are great. Yeah, I mean, awesome craziness. It's just craziness. And and all you NFL types, all you sports types over mm. the years have told me there is no such thing as a good loss. You know what? If I'm the Patriots after that performance by Cam Newton, I come away feeling great, even with the loss. Because look at what that guy did. I mean, look at the questions he answered. Right. And this is a guy who is making less guaranteed money this year than Nathan Peterman. Peterman. Nathan Peterman. Sloan Peterman. No, it was Peterson, right? <laughs> yes, it, it was. was Peterson. I know, I know what you're doing there. Right. It's a little, a little, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. A little Ferris Bueller, yeah, right? Yeah, Ferris Bueller. <laughs> Sloan Peterson. Nathan Peterman. But yeah, it's, uh, it's I mean, you know, Chad oh, Henney, um, Andy Dalton, Blake Bortles. I mean, yeah. More guaranteed money than yeah. Cam Newton is. How about, Cam, how about, like, I mean, there was the big question mark of Cam's health. Shoot. He looks pretty damn healthy, doesn't he? Yeah. And and the way like like he had told me, I guess in 2018, he had told me that he really took to North Turner as his coordinator, and understanding you growing and understanding the totality of the offense, and also understanding that he had to protect himself throwing the football. And if you remember the first eight, nine games of the season, I mean, he might have been the lead leaguer, lead the league, that's easy for me to say, league leader in, like, completion. He was, like, at 68, 68% or 67.9% or something like that. And, I mean, he was, he was awesome, taking what the defense gives him. Like, you watch him throw the ball right now, and I've always been critical of the intermediate route aspect of, you know, inaccurate throws and things of that nature. He's cleaned up, I think, mechanically. He's thrown it exceptionally well, and he's healthy to threaten the edge. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing what they've been able to do and uh, and the way he's responded after two years of being injured. Good for Cam Newton. And I tell you, one of the cool things to see if you saw before that game, Cam Newton coming up and kind of sneaking up on, on Olsen. And just the love they have for one another was a really, it's a really cool thing. The respect and the admiration and the love they have for one another. Um, I think that was really cool. Both of them being away from the Carolina Panthers and both of them basically saying, hey, forget you, pound sand, we're going to go continue our careers elsewhere. 
Uh, I don't. I don't care how you feel about this team. I think anybody can agree that it's a better NFL if the Raiders are good. Yeah, and <laughs> they look good. They look against re- the Saints. Is it? They're two and zero. Is this? They're for real. Is this team okay? They're they're, they're for they're real. for real. I mean, Waller. Obviously, you saw what he did with twelve catches, and the guys. The guy's an amazing player because he can be an inline guy. He's great. He does not shy away from blocking people, hitting people, and doing all those things. But from a matchup standpoint, the guy's like six seven. He can run like the wind. I mean, he is a legit big time player. He's got a great story. I mean, the guy essentially OD'd in a car and had been suspended a bunch of times. And 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 he's you know, I mean, I met with him. He basically told me that it was all about anxiety. You know, he just was so anxious about things and he, you know, unfortunately turned to drugs. But bottom line, he turned himself in, got himself help, asked the NFL to put him into rehab, did that. Then he went to stocking shelves at Sprouts on on his year suspension, got a job at Sprouts stocking shelves. You want to talk about humility and he appreciates where he is. He's one of my favorite players that I've ever talked to. I mean, he's just a great young man. And he's a great player. But I'll go back to a couple of years ago when John Gruden took over there with the Raiders. And and this is interesting because there's so many teams that kick the can down the road and are afraid to just basically say, hey, we gotta we gotta strip it and build it back up. They just want to slap band-aids on it. Right. They want to slap band-aids and tell their fans, hey, look, we're close. We just signed this guy. It's gonna put us over the top. All we're one we're one big time receiver away from Yeah, no, you're not. No, you're not, you're not. And I was told, I was in their facility in Oakland. This is two years before they moved to Vegas. They're just saying, hey, listen, man, this is where we are. I think this was 2017. But this is where we are. we got to strip this damn thing down to the studs and rebuild it. And Mike Mayock, being the general manager, his dad was an O-line coach. He said, we're going to build this thing inside out. We're going to take care of our O-line, take care of our D-line, front seven on defense. That's what we're going to do. That's how we're going to build this thing. And then we're going to put the pieces in when they come to us, you know, on the outside and everything else. And look what's happened. Traded away some big-time players, Khalil Mack and everybody else, you know, traded away, got their draft picks, built their team the way they wanted to build their team, and what's happened? And Mind you now, their number one offensive tackle acquisition from the Patriots in Brown, right? It's Brown. Trent Brown. Trent Brown. Been injured the first two weeks. They've actually rotated two different guys over there at right tackle, and they've just dispensed justice. They've just beat people up. Like, that's what they do. And I got to give them... You know, I, and I hate the Raiders with the white hot intensity of a thousand suns, as you well know. But I got to give them a ton of credit. That's a a real team. Hey, lastly, for me, uh, most surprising zero and two team to you: Minnesota, Houston, or Philadelphia? Probably Philadelphia. You know, I just think that in that division they play in, to to I mean, they lost their first game of the season to a team that doesn't even have a nickname. <laughs> That's true. I mean, how bad are you when you lose to a team without a nickname? What's your nickname? I don't know. I guess we'll just call ourselves the football team. <laughs> I mean, like seriously. The Washington football yeah, that's team. That's a tough one to live down. Right. I don't know. What do you call yourself? I just call myself fat. That's all. I thought you'd go with Houston. You know, right after Deshaun Watson signs that, that big contract and – all that, but I guess hey, listen, okay. I guess you're not surprised because of Bill O'Brien. I'm not. I'm well. 
I think Bill O'Brien can coach. I just think he, the, Bill O'Brien, the general manager, is absolutely handcuffed. Bill O'Brien, the coach. And, and they have made, okay, wait a minute. You give up two first-round draft choices for Laramie Tunsil. And I'm all about building your offensive lineup. And I think Laramie Tunsil is a really good player. But two first-rounders for him, and then you get, what, a third-rounder and a fifth-rounder for Hopkins? Right? I mean, arguably the number, well, I don't know if he's number one, but he's not worse than number three. No, he's, yeah, no, he's on the short, short list. And he is tearing it up for the Arizona Cardinals right now. Like, does that make sense to anybody? No. And so you can't trade away, you can't you can't overvalue players and trade away draft assets to get those players and you can't undervalue that what's happened it's like estimate overestimating your own speed and underestimating the speed of your opponents right that's when you do that you know what you get your ass kicked and that's what's happening to them right now well you get uh, some teams even with the expanded playoffs you got some teams right away who are facing some uh some some big games right off the bat so yeah. be fascinating to see what happens we'll break them down and Maybe they'll show up in our money picks on money maker picks. picks. And I don't know where we are right now, but I'm sure after the uh, after week one, when I really, I really handed it to you, you we went we went head to head on a pick that I won. Yes, you're ahead. Oh man, I'm kicking my ass. You're ahead. I'm nervous to see what happens to you this week. Hey, for everybody involved in the Stinking Truth podcast, I am Mark. He is Mike for Scott the Huff. Thank you to our presenting sponsors, the great folks over at Sweet Sweat and also Superbook. We'll be with you back later in the week.